Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here for another Outtakes. It's actually an excerpt I was on with Rob Bertrand and Ivan Lovgren. Go GTS Live. Enjoyed that. I've been a longtime listener, so I'd never been on their show, and I'm going to get those guys over here to interview them, but they were interviewing me, and that seemed like a half hour out of their show. It was almost two hours, and I listened to them. They're an excellent content creator within our industry, one of the podcasts I listen to regularly. Good work, Rob and Ivan. Enjoyed it. There was about 10 minutes in there that I thought, this is a little bit different. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huxley Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, and then Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. Here's the portion that I thought would be interesting. Actually, the whole thing would be interesting. So encourage you to track those guys. They have a live YouTube show. They give out prizes. <laughs> if you like prizes, who doesn't? So again, thanks, guys, and uh, thanks, listeners. Here's the episode, and and hope you enjoy, as I did. What's going on with you, sir? It's amazing that I can do a daily podcast 15 minutes a day and people think well, I'm unretired, that <laughs> 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 I'm really deep into the industry. But I, I've always been a lifer. I have always loved the hobby, and I really haven't taken a break for all these decades. But it seemed like every decade or so, I got kicked farther upstairs. And that wasn't as much fun. I really enjoyed being on the front lines. In the 70s, you could do that. 80s, 90s, it got tougher by the 2000s. And 2005 is when I sold the company. And I don't miss that. I got my life back. But there's so many ways to enjoy the hobby. So the hobby is the people. I still enjoy going to occasional shows. I'm probably more of a vintage guy than the ultra modern stuff. But I, I appreciate all cards. You just said something that I love, which is getting kicked up from the front lines. Can you take us back there? I, I kicked myself up. Nobody pulled me up. It just wasn't appropriate for me to be doing things that other people could do. When you initially delegate to somebody, they can't do it as well as you can. And then after a month, they still can't. But after three months, after six months, at some point, they can do it as well as you can. And in many cases, they can do it better than you can, and they have more time. I basically needed to just keep pulling myself out of some of the daily duties that I loved. I loved being involved in the price guide. But when we had four, five, six price guides a month coming out, I just couldn't do them all. So I kicked myself upstairs, Ivan. <laughs> and it doesn't feel very good. It's supposed to be a promotion, but I bet there's salespeople out there that the worst day in their life is when they got promoted to sales manager. <laughs> oh, yeah. just, so that's what I felt. It was the right thing to do for the team, for everybody else, for me. It probably was the right thing for me to do as well, because it really allowed my team to fully blossom. How did you deal with situations where you're a collector and your pursuits are individual to you, yet your buying habits could influence pricing because people say dr jim is he's maybe i should get in on that if he's trying to buy it. things like that but no rob we had a policy but it wasn't just for me it's for everybody you could act like a collector but if you couldn't work at our company and act like a dealer and so that might be buying your you know one card of your favorite player and we had moratoriums before the next issue came out the only cards i bought were type cards for showing in the almanacs and the magazines and stuff like that. So I missed out on a lot of great deals in the in the <laughs> 80s and 90s and 2000s because I, I just wasn't going to have that conflict of interest. When Rich Klein on our team, he and I would hit the national and we'd buy some cards, but nothing was for resale. 
it, it would be unusual stuff that we hadn't seen. Could be a small set or a type card that would allow us to picture it in the almanacs in the magazine. So yeah, I, we avoided that. And we had a couple of employees that just had too much of an addiction to dealing. Addiction is probably too strong a word, but I said, look, this is the rule. If you can't do it, you can't work here. But you can be a collector, but your dealings are going to be scrutinized. I tried to set a good example. So Clementi stuff that I passed on in those decades, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> it would not have been appropriate. And I'm not well, making up for lost time now because I have enough cards and I'm more of a seller than a buyer. Let's put it that way. But you did also classify yourself as a collector. I'm looking behind you and you mentioned retirement and I'm like, your room looks like my, my wall of fame, which are my cards that are alphabetized and people like that are over here. I can actually throw it up as a virtual background on some other formats, but yeah, I, I still love cards and I, I think cards are beautiful, but I just don't like selling cards. I like pricing cards. I like buying cards. I like trading cards, but I don't like selling cards. So what are some of the things you've stumbled on and no matter what, you'll never sell? Probably I got cards from my dad when he was a kid. I really haven't sold my dad's cards. He had some Gaudis and play balls, stuff like that. And cards that I had as a kid, some of them are gone, but I still have some of those. And Roberto Clemente was my favorite player. The Clemente stuff, I'm not saying I would never sell a duplicate Clemente, but I had a great collection when I started doing the price guides. Since it didn't go anywhere, I sold some of the stuff in starting the company. But for the most part, I've just got some cards, some great cards. They've just gone up in value. And they've gone up way more in value since I haven't been in charge. <laughs> so nobody can say, hey, you were holding out for 2021 or 2020. <laughs> Are you a grader? Do you like your cards graded or do you like them raw? My wall of fame is for my friends. Uh, there's something for advanced collectors there as well as novice or just fans or friends. Mm -hmm. So there's a, I get a little emphasis on local players, but for those, I get them slabbed. Because then I don't worry about a friend fumble fingering, dropping something, creasing it, whatever. I don't have to worry if somebody, you know, wants to look at it, unless they stick it in their pocket. <laughs> Which uh, the slabs are harder to do that with. The than slabs are harder to do that exactly. So. Is that a PSA ten in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? If it's a PSA ten, they didn't get it from me. Is there a particular issue or a cover that just means something to you? Uh, or that really stood out? Probably the first ones. The farther ago, the more I was not kicked up upstairs that I was making cover. I even have a photograph of mine that was used, not on the front cover, but on the back cover. Not a great photographer, but I thought, I own the company. I can put my own photo there. Uh, there obviously were no royalties involved, but I was at spring training one year and I, I took some shots and they weren't great, but I thought it'd be interesting to see if anybody notices. But yeah, so the early baseball magazines. I, I really had no team. I was involved in every aspect of it. It was a great learning experience to learn that I'm not good at certain things, <laughs> like designing the covers, artistically anyway. Later on, some of the covers you might expect me to say are ones where I was just picking a photo by knowing that photo is iconic, like a Bo Jackson or some of the Jordan covers. So I tried to have my finger on the pulse of what people would want and try to moving around the country that we weren't always doing Yankees or anything. And I commissioned the artistic covers that were the 50th baseball and the Yankee fantasy and the Clemente painting. 
we actually commissioned the paintings. That was cool to see a painting turn into, in the Yankee case, a wraparound cover. That's an example, Ivan, of something I really enjoyed doing. But we had people arguably better than I was at it anyway. And they really enjoyed it. But I enjoyed it while I did it. Could you take a look and tell us about this baseball card from fan favorites right around the time you were retiring? They didn't know I was retiring because it was a top secret until it happened. I got contacted by Tops in the fall of 04. And they said, you want to be on a card? I didn't say, how much are you going to pay me? Because actually, let's just say it was not lucrative. But if you guys were asked by Tops, do you want to be on a fan favorite card? You would say, sure. How much do I have to pay? How much do I have to pay? <laughs> that particular card is especially plentiful because there was a version in packs, but also a version that was inserted in the baseball magazines. So it's more plentiful. Of the cards that people put in my face to sign, that's the main one that's they'll the send one. me through the yeah. mail. And that's fine. It's a compliment. It was a fun project. And it's Clemente's actual jersey that I wore, that I had, that I no longer have, but I did have. So that some authenticity, doing it in a 56 top style, which was also my favorite set and my boyhood first card. How many of the first monthly price guides are you sitting on? Because I've found they've been selling for $70, $80, $85 on eBay now. That might have been a smart investment if you sat on a stack of some of those. We had a huge stack of those at one point and they got water damaged. Oh, you know, no. Pepper Hastings can vouch for that. And it wasn't because they were put away. It's because they didn't sell, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's no brilliance there. I had set aside 10 copies for me, so I, I probably got nine left. And I slabbed them, which is weird, but nothing can happen to them. But people will come up to me and ask me to sign them. I'm happy to do that. And even that, there was a, a reprinted issue of that is clearly stated as reprint back in the early 2000s. Polly bagged into the subscribers. Well, if you were going to send Jim something, would it be that fan favorites card or would it be a first baseball issue? Which one would you want to get signed? <laughs> I don't know there's that much upside for the baseball number one because it's already a tougher thing to find. But the fan favorites cards, that's mainly what I get sent. It's less postage and I'll, I'll personalize if people want me to. Like I said, it's a compliment. I'm sure I've signed 100, 200, 300 of those first baseball magazines. Give us just one take on the hobby today or whether it's vintage. Like, What's front of mind for you right now when you look at the hobby? I think the main thing, people talk about a correction, a crash, an adjustment. And basically, we have been probably entering into more of a mixed market. It's no longer a raging bull market. And it's certainly not a bear market, but there are going to be things that go up, things that stay the same, and things that go down. And uh, things that have gone up by 500%, and then they go down by 50%, you're still net way up, unless you bought it at the peak. The fact that there are no sure things is healthy for our hobby. Eventually, it has to be not a sure thing, but a good thing. I've meet with some younger guys. I don't use the word mentor, but they'll ask me questions. And I say, look, you're a winner, but don't think you're undefeated. You're going to win more than you lose, but you're not going to be undefeated. And that's the way the hobby's going to be now. Anybody that tells you they got the Midas touch, they don't. Some things are going to unexpectedly go up and some things are going to unexpectedly go down. That's healthy. And frankly, it's good for you guys. It's good for me. It's good for any content creator as long as it's taken with a grain of salt, that people ought to get 
counsel and advice and wisdom from all sources. That's great advice. Absolutely great advice. I think my role now is to influence the influencers. So I'm intentionally doing podcast episodes that can impact some people that are tracking with a hobby that can take the ball and run with it. Like you guys. The man.